Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. Our thoughts are important. Our thoughts matter. We said it's the thought that counts. Your life is going to move in the direction of your strongest thought. And I just wanted to introduce this concept of beginning to look at how you think. And then last week, we looked at a scripture that Paul used to illustrate this truth. He talked about taking off your old clothes and putting on some new clothes. We talked about getting a fresh new drip, and I illustrated it with this coffee filter. And he got to change the filter. How many of you have been working on changing the filter? That's what it means to renew your mind. Well, in today's message, I promised you this last week, but I'm going to tell you exactly how to change the filter. And what we're going to learn today is so powerful, it'll change your life in so many different areas if you will put it into practice. Now, I got to set this up for our first-time guests because what we're talking about isn't just think better thoughts, think more positive thoughts. That's not what this is at all. This is good theology. We are looking at the process of sanctification. If you'll allow me to give you just a short theology lesson. By faith, we're justified. When you place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's called salvation. By faith, you're justified. In death, you'll be glorified. What that means, you're going to change. Paul talks about Right now, we see in part, we know in part, but there's going to come a time where we don't just see in part, where we're seeing full. That's in, this, in the afterlife, in eternity, that we'll have full knowledge. That's called glorification. But in this space between being justified and being glorified is this process called being sanctified. That's what we're looking at doing. And this process happens, the process of sanctification, which all that means It's the process of becoming more and more like Christ. This process happens by beginning to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. You want to become more like Christ? You have to think like God thinks. And the reason this seems difficult is because all of us are inundated with negativity on a moment-by-moment basis. You don't have to go very far to have negative thoughts creep into your brain. We wake up with dread for the day and we go to bed with regret about what we did or didn't do. But what we're learning is that while that might be natural for the world, that might be the course of the world, God offers us a better way. And he shows us this in our theme verse for this series. It's in Romans 12, verse 2. Paul's writing, he says, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. So if we're gonna become more like Christ, we have to be intentional about how we think. And what we're learning is that how we think is our job. God is not gonna change your thinking for you. That's what makes you, you. He has given you a free will. He has given you the ability to think your own thoughts and go your own way. You can't just put this on autopilot. You can't ask somebody else to do it for you. It's your responsibility to change your thinking. So the things we're going to look at today, these aren't just tips from my life. This isn't like how to be a more positive person. In fact, it might surprise you to know 
I'm not a naturally positive person. I'm a naturally negative person. That's how I know that this is going to work for you because I've had to learn and put it into practice. And if it's worked for me, I know it's going to work for you. I would tell you that most of us, though, are naturally negative people. Most, that, that's why we're talking about brain bugs. It's those automatic negative thoughts that come in. That's what we're dealing with. So that helps me, and that's why I take comfort in Paul's words to the church at Rome. Because when he says, don't be shaped like the world, instead be changed by changing the way you think, I remember, wait a minute, he's writing this to Christians. He's writing this to people who've placed their faith in Christ. And what that tells me is that in this letter, this letter he wrote, which most people consider to be his magnum opus, his crowning work, he's writing this letter to address some ways that they've been thinking, to correct their thinking on some issues. And it tells me that if this was a process for them, it's probably going to be a process for me. So at the very end of his letter, though, he gives him some hope. And in all of Romans, where he's detailing sanctification, how it works, he says, look, if you do all these things that I've talked about and you put it into practice, Romans 16, verse 20, he says, God, who is our peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. See, I, I like that because I feel like Paul and I are on the same wavelength. He, he's saying, all these things that have been creeping into your mind, all these things that have been creating confusion and division and corruption, you're going to be able to squash them like a bug. God is going to help you. It's going to be under your feet. It's God's power, but it's your effort. So today I want to give you three simple steps to squash the brain bugs that try to creep into every area of your life. And for those of you who are taking notes, I'm calling this message, Mind Your Steps. Mind Your Steps. Hey, would you help me get into this a little bit today? Would you uh, tell your neighbor they look amazing and tell them to mind your steps? Mind your steps. Would you do that for me? All right, well, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. Well, God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we know that every time we come to you in your house where your spirit is present and your word is opened, that we have the opportunity to change. And I'm asking God that you'll use me this morning to let your words go forth, not my ideas, opinions, or thoughts, but God, your very words. Lord, you know what we need, and you know the way we need to hear it. So God, help me to communicate clearly, and I believe you'll do that, God. Let your word go forth like seed sown on good ground today. I believe it will. And everybody who agrees with that can say in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, do we have any parents in the house? I just want to see all the parents. Did you guys see how fast those hands went up? That is because school has started. They were like, freedom, <laughs> finally. Is that just my wife or me? It's a great thing to have uh, school starting up. Um, because you finally get to get your kids out from under your feet. And uh, I mean, I love being a parent. Don't get me wrong. Being a parent is awesome. I uh, love my kids. Being a parent, I think nothing really helps you become more like Christ than being a parent. I mean, you learn about self-denial, suffering, taking up your cross, all of these things uh, really helps you become more like Christ. And um, 
it's really bad for me though right now because uh, my kids are in Christian school. So not only are they in church on Sunday, not only are they learning about scripture and the things of God at home, uh, from the hours of nine to three, they are learning about the Lord. And you would think that's a great thing, but the truth is they try to argue with me on the Bible. They are always trying to uh, correct me in my thinking. Uh, for example, uh, one, one day I was uh, bringing a little helpful instruction to my children, you know, just uh, aligning uh, their behavior with the behavior that is appropriate for a child of mine. And, uh, you know, you might say that just to get my point across, I might have been raising my voice ever so slightly um, because a good communicator knows there's times where you have to, like, you know, lower your voice and times where you have to, you know, raise your voice. And uh, you can call it yelling if you want. Just don't judge me. Might have been throwing some things. Who knows? You weren't there. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that in the middle of my monologue where I am talking to my children and I'm saying, do you think that is appropriate behavior in this household? And I am reading them their rights. In the middle of this, one of my children, and I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to embarrass Oliver like that. Uh, but <laughs> in the middle of my monologue, this child raises his hand and says, I just have one question. Is this what Jesus would do? So after I spanked him, I mean, I, I gave him a warm embrace, and uh, I said, no, Jesus would have gone off to be alone because he wouldn't have wanted to deal with you. But uh, that's, uh, that's my life, it's my, my house. I, but I'm just saying maybe it was the lack of peace in that moment, I'm not sure. Maybe it was because I was thinking about Paul's scripture where he says the God of peace will crush Satan. But seems like nothing can disrupt our peace more than our thoughts. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, maybe for, for me it was anger, but maybe for you it's anxiety. Uh, maybe for you it's, it's worry. Uh, maybe it's critical thoughts or discouraging thoughts or depressing thoughts, thoughts of shame, thoughts of doubt, thoughts that make you feel insecure. And a lot of us, we live our life without ever realizing that our thoughts are shaping our confidence, and they're shaping how we interact with others, and they're shaping our destiny. Now, I gotta let you know that your thoughts are not facts. Now, your, your thoughts are your thoughts, but they're not facts. Your thoughts are real, but that doesn't mean that your thoughts are reality. And what I see a lot of people do is they accept the way they think about a thing as true, but your thoughts are not facts. They're just thoughts. What that tells us is that the way we think about something isn't always meant to be trusted. Can I take this one step further? Let me tell you, if your thoughts were a person, you would not trust them. <laughs> if, if your thoughts were a boss, you would not work for them. If they were an employee, you would fire them. If they were your boyfriend or girlfriend, you would break up with them. Why? Because your thoughts, they, they, they can't be trusted. 
your, your thoughts are not dependable. They lie to you. They're critical of you. They're critical of the people around you. They make you doubt yourself. And if you trust them, they will ruin your day. They will wreck your week. They will mess up your month. They will derail your destiny. They'll destroy your life. And the point of the series is to really help you and show you that this is the thing that's been separating you from who God has called you to be, from what God has planned for you. It's that you believe these ants, these automatic negative thoughts, you believe them way too much. And if you'll get this, it's going to change your life. Now, most of us, we don't have the benefit of having Oliver in our life in the middle of a meltdown. We don't have somebody who says, um, is this what Jesus would do right in the middle of when we're having a negative thought? But the good news is, is that all of us have the ability to examine our own thinking. And the first step you have to take, if you want to squash an automatic negative thought, is you have to detect it. That's what I want you to write down. Step number one, you have to detect it. The truth is, brain bugs do not announce their entry into our mind. Sometimes they can be hard to recognize. And because they're hard to recognize, what that means is that we can have them and never realize that we have them. I remember uh, one of the houses that Marissa and I used to live in, uh, we, I, I was doing some yard work outside the house, doing some landscaping. This was um, obviously early on in my Christian life and until uh, I learned better. And I, I, w- I was doing this landscape and had a friend with me, and we were putting some rock around, putting some dirt around, and on the edge of our house, he said, well, you got termites. I said, what? It's like, yeah, that right there, that's termites. It's like, are you sure about that? Yeah, like I know it's, that's, that's termites. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've seen it before. I thought it was like decay. I, I thought it was, you know, just maybe weathering, maybe age. It's like, no. I know what I'm talking about. That's termites. You need to have that looked at. It's interesting to me because we had lived there for a couple years, but he lived there for so long, I could see, I, I knew like, okay, that's not right. Like, if this was a new house, I wouldn't want that there. I, I knew that it was wrong, wasn't the way it's supposed to be, but I just came to accept it as normal. And in the same way, There's things we've lived with, ways of thinking, patterns of thought for so long. We can, we know it's not right. We know it's not healthy, but we've just come to accept it as normal. I said this last week, before you can be right, you have to see right. That's why you have to detect it. Proverbs 4.23 says, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Now, I shared this verse before, but I wanna focus in on that word guard, because that word guard means to stand watch. It's saying you need to be on the lookout for anything that is incongruent with God's truth. And I've realized this seems like a simple step, but if you'll proactively stand watch, 
you'd be surprised at how much negative thinking you've been letting slip into your brain on a regular basis. I read this study a number of years ago that said the average person has somewhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day, and 80% of them are negative. Now, I tried to research this study before the sermon, because I remember reading that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I found lots of people that cited the study. I could never find the actual study. So maybe it's made up. I don't know, all right? <laughs> but... Honestly, it sounds a little sketchy to me. How do you even measure thoughts? But let's just say that even if it's not true, I think the principle is sound because you don't have to do a study. All you have to do is take inventory of your own thoughts and how many of them are negative and how many of them are repetitive. In fact, I thought, hey, why don't we just use our time in church right now, this week, to do a little thought audit. We'll take a thought inventory. I want you to participate with this. Let's just, for the sake of example, think about last week. Last week till today, all right? I'm curious, how many of you, we'll put the, this little chart on the screen, how many of your thoughts were more worried and how many of your thoughts were more peaceful? One, being worried, 10 being peaceful. How many of your thoughts, you're worried about your kids, worried about something with finances, money, bills, worried about your health, worried about a pressured situation coming up at school or at work, worried, or we're the peaceful, just secure, not freaking out, not, not anxious about it. Write down a number. How about this one? Last week, how many of your thoughts were more negative or more positive? Negative or positive? One being negative, 10 being positive. Negative, just discouraged. Negative, discontent. Just if only, if only this was different. If I could change this. Negative, just critical. Always seeing what's wrong. Or were they more positive? Believing the best. Seeing how God is working in your life. Imagining what God wants to do, being hopeful. Let's try another one. How about your thoughts? Were they more worldly or eternal? Worldly. Consumed with the things of this life. Not necessarily bad things or evil things, just temporal things. Things that don't matter. What do people think about me? You know, not just the pressures you're facing at work, just assignments, the class schedule, relationship issue, or we're the more eternal. God, how can I bring you glory? God, how, how can I reach more people for you? God, how can I leverage what I have to make a difference? Were your thoughts more worldly or eternal? Now, some of you are like, okay, is this what growth track is like? Because I've discovered I have the spiritual gift of negativity right now. No, it's not the point, all right? The, the point is, is that, first of all, we've been talking about thoughts for two weeks, so I hope you were on the 10 side of the scale. But if your thoughts, if you didn't write down a 10, 10, 10, this message is for you. And this message is for me, because we've still got some work to do. We've got some areas we can improve, and I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it just takes one person it just takes one moment for my mind to go negative sometimes. 
This happened yesterday to me. I think God did this just so I would have an illustration. But I was driving home. I was thinking about my sermon, about (laughs) renewing my mind. And on my way home, I was in my car. There's this person on a bike coming my way. He's on the sidewalk. I'm on the road, just driving, thinking peaceful thoughts. And this guy, he makes a very aggressive gesture at me. And I'm thinking, let me tell you, my first thought was I need to pray, was not I need to pray for this person. That was not what I was thinking. My my first thought was like, what? What in the world? Do I have enemies? Does this this person know me? I don't even know who this guy is. It was like, was this at the person in front of me? Was this at the person behind me? But I started like, I started kind of getting angry about it. And my heart rate started to go up. And I was like, maybe I need to like turn my car around and see what this guy's problem is. I mean, after all, I'm in a car, he's on a bike, I can take him. <laughs> like, like, I need to find what's going on here. And I was getting really aggravated. And it was just the thought. Just the thought. I'm curious, did you really have a bad day? Or did you just let your thoughts run undisciplined and run wild? It, it's our thoughts, and you have to detect it. Sometimes we think we've had a bad day, but we've just been letting our thoughts run free and run wild and let everything go unchecked because we're not standing guard to watch and detect it. So you got to stand guard. you got to detect anything that tries to get into our brains that does not line up with God's truth. But the second thing you have to do after you detect it, is inspect it. Inspect it. And this is where what I'm going to teach you today is probably different than any teaching you've ever heard on renewing your mind. Because most pastors aren't going to tell you to inspect your negative thoughts. What they're going to tell you to do is to reject your negative thoughts. And I believe in rejecting your negative thoughts. I do. I just think sometimes the way we've communicated rejecting our negative thoughts communicates the wrong impression. And I'll show you what I mean. Because in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is giving some wisdom on how to deal with thoughts that are contrary to God's word. And if you read it the way most people read it, thinking about rejecting negative thoughts, this is how they would read it. It says, we break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. And... We let go of every thought. Wait a, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to reject thoughts. I thought we were supposed to let them go. We take hold? See, I've always been trying to let my thoughts go. The only problem is, whenever I let my thoughts go, they usually come back with 10 of their friends. <laughs> Have you ever been there? It's like when you tell somebody, hey, don't think about this. <laughs> Thanks. Now that's all I can think about. Hey, don't worry about it. Great. Now all I can do is worry. No, Paul doesn't say you need to let your thoughts go. He says you got to take hold of it. I mean, I get holding on to good thoughts, right? Paul says, hey, whatever's pure, whatever's noble, whatever's true, Whatever's love, like think about, take hold of those. I get that. 
why am I supposed to take hold of the negative thoughts? That doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense unless you understand the context of this chapter. You can read it for yourself in 2 Corinthians 10. Paul is using war terminology. He says the weapons of our warfare aren't weapons of the flesh. They're spiritual. They're mighty in God. We use these weapons to pull down strongholds. He's using war terminology. That's why in another translation, it doesn't say take hold. It says take captive. Take captive. He says while you're standing guard over your thoughts and you're standing watch and you detect a negative thought, you need to take it like a prisoner of war. Take it, take it captive. See, the reason you have to take hold of it is because if you don't take hold of it, it will take hold of you. So if you've got these negative thoughts and you detect it, take it captive and learn to interrogate your imagination. That's what I mean by inspect it. You have to investigate. You have to interrogate. Now, I've never been part of a formal interrogation. The last time I tried was when Marissa was uh, having a de deposition and they kicked me out of the room. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I've never been part of a formal interrogation, but I have watched John Wick and Taken, so I feel like I can speak authoritatively on this subject. And in every interrogation I've seen on television, there are two things that they want to know. Where did you come from and why were you sent? Where did you come from? You need to sit down with some of these thoughts that are trying to infiltrate into your imagination. And you need to ask them the question, where did you come from? Inspect it. Every time you have a thought, you got to determine the origin of that thought. Because lots of times what happens, we, we carry around this, this idea, it's a faulty concept, that like some of our feelings are bad and some of our feelings are good. Your feelings are neutral, okay? Your feelings are neutral. But what it is, it's the thought that you're attaching to these feelings. It's not the feelings that are the problem, it's the thought you're attaching to these feelings. So like, Okay, anger, anger is not a bad feeling. Anger, yeah, it can create hostility, but it can also cause you to right a wrong. It's righteous anger, right? What, what about sadness? Well, sadness is painful and hurtful. Yeah, but it can also cause you to meet a need. That's called compassion. What about fear? I know fear is bad. I heard this whole message on rating about it. Yeah, but also there's sometimes where it's called wisdom. It can protect you. It's not the feelings, it's the thoughts you're attaching to these feelings. And this is why it matters. Because the problem isn't when you feel convicted about something that you've done. It's when you convince yourself that that's who you are. It looks like this. It's the difference between you made a bad decision and you're a horrible person. It's the difference between you lost your temper and you're completely out of control. That's why you have to inspect it, inspect it. Because God said he would send his word into your life, but he's not the only one sending words into your life. And 
the messages that God is going to send into your life, they come in the same box that life is going to deliver messages to you in. And you've got to learn to look at the return address and figure out where did this come from? Where did this originate from? You have to inspect it. But after you inspect it, you're not done. It's final step. You have to correct it. You've got to correct it. Don't just take it captive and sit on it. You take it captive and you make it obedient to Christ. You got to put it through a rehabilitation program. This is what Paul said. We take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. Well, how do you do that? You got to make it line up with God's word. Now, this is not like a parenting seminar message, obviously, by my introduction. But I think about how I make my kids obey. What's it mean when my kids obey? I remind them of what I've said until they respond. I remind them of what I've said until they respond. You know, sometimes just because they obey one time doesn't mean that I'm done reminding them. Hey, you need to pick up your shoes. Hey, you need to clean up your room. Hey, you need to put your toys away. Hey, you need to wash your hands before dinner. I remind them of what I've said until they respond. Now, these thoughts... We're not trying to make them obey us. We're making them obedient to Christ. So what do we got to do? We got to remind them of what God has said. So what does this look like? Okay, you got something big coming up. Maybe you're trying to work this business deal. Maybe you got a staff transition. Maybe you have a test. Maybe you have uh, something you're trying with one of your kids at home. This thing you're working through. And this thought comes, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Detect it. Detect it. Okay, I recognize that thought. That doesn't, that doesn't seem like that's coming from God. I'm going to inspect it. Or right, where did this come from? Why do I feel that? What have I been listening to? Did somebody say something to me? What have I been meditating on? Why am I feeling this way? Where did this come from? Detect it. Inspect it. Correct it. Oh, okay, I know what you are. I know where you came from. Now let me remind you what God has said. God said I can do all things through Christ. So I don't need to be anxious about this. God said he would never leave me or forsake me. I don't need to be afraid. God said I'm forgiven. I don't need to live in guilt over that. I'm a new creation in Christ. God said nothing is impossible for him who believes. That means God can handle this situation too. God said he would meet my needs. That means I don't need to worry about this, right? How do you correct it? You remind it of what God has said until it changes and complies. Before that thought ends, you just got to ask it. Hey, it's helpful to ask what, it's helpful to ask where, it's helpful to ask why. But before that thought ends, don't just leave it there. Remind it what God has said. And this is something you got to do over and over and over again. Marissa and I have the uh, pest control guys come to our house and spray and keep the bugs out. And you know what I've noticed is, like, they have to keep coming. Every couple months, coming and spraying. And it'd be easy for me to get frustrated, be like, hey, I've paid you guys once. Why are you coming back and charging me again? But here's what they know, is you can't stop the bugs from coming. But just because you can't stop them from coming doesn't mean you have to live with them. 
And you can't stop the brain bugs from coming. But just because you can't stop them from coming doesn't mean you have to let them take resonance in your mind. No, you, you have to do it over and over and over again. And the good news is, if you've squashed the brain bugs once, then you know you have the capacity to do it every time. Detect it, inspect it, correct it. It's a completely different way of looking at the thoughts that drain you. And that's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Because you know, God has a completely different perspective of your situation than you do. He's seated high above heavenly places. He's got a different perspective. And I wonder if the different perspective, maybe, maybe the different perspective is all around that word guard. Because I was thinking about this. You know, when you have to guard something, you guard it because it's vulnerable. And maybe that's how you walked in here today, feeling vulnerable, vulnerable to worry, vulnerable to depression, vulnerable to anxiety, vulnerable to being critical, vulnerable to anger, vulnerable to doubt. Maybe you walked in feeling vulnerable, but that word guard is really interesting. Because on one hand, I get that we gotta stand watch. I get that we're in a battle. The battlefield is our mind. I, I get all that. We gotta be careful about how we think because the wrong thoughts can drain us. But on the other hand, you don't just guard something because it's vulnerable. You guard something because it's valuable. And what if that's the difference? What if the fact that you've been feeling bombarded with negative thoughts isn't a sign that you're dysfunctional? What if it's a sign that there is something good in you? Because if there wasn't something good in you, you'd be left alone. Well, what if the fact you feel like you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, isn't a sign that there's something wrong with you or that you should lay low? What if it's actually an indicator that your part, the part that you play is critical to the success? That's what I mean. Maybe that's why Paul wrote that the God of peace would soon crush Satan under your feet because it's that same peace that crushes those negative thoughts. That same peace is gonna guard and stand watch over your mind. Look at what he says, Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which surpasses every thought. In other words, it's greater than every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I wanna pray for each person here. So you bow your head and close your eyes. I think God wanna give you a new perspective. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Maybe you've been looking at your situation thinking, I can't do this. Well, there's three simple steps to squash these brain bugs. Detect it, inspect it, correct it. But maybe it's just the knowledge that the reason you're being attacked is because you've got something to offer.